I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Per Motosaka and you're listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle. Giroud! It's two! Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 25th of January 2016. I'm Russell Hargreaves and on this week's show, Per Mertesacker talks to us about leadership on the pitch. Charlie Nicholas is here reminiscing on his time with the club and we also meet our first Gouda of the month. But first, let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal welcomed league champions Chelsea to the Emirates on Sunday, looking for a win to take them back to the top of the table. But they gave themselves a mountain to climb in just the 17th minute. The referee had a very good view of that and decides no penalty. Meanwhile, this is Diego Costa coming forward. Saka brings him down and this is a decision here for Mark Klattenberg to make because this could be a red card for Per Saka. It is a red and the Arsenal fans jump up. They can't quite believe it. But when you consider he was bearing down on goal, the letter of the law here, Stephen, means that Pear had to go, I think. And Diego Costa would rub salt into the wounds just six minutes later. Now it's with Matic, who whips one in. Diego Costa doesn't get any contact on that. It comes back out towards Ivanovic on the right-hand side. He'll drill it in. Costa again finds the net this time. But he doesn't miss his kick second time around. And it's Diego Costa that has put Chelsea in front here at the Emirates. The first cross was dealt with. The second wasn't. It is Arsenal nil, Chelsea won. Arsenal were on the front foot for much of the second half, but were unable to break down Chelsea, who took advantage of that man advantage. In his press conference after the game, the boss spoke about how his team responded to going down to 10 men. It was, of course, uh, frustrating, but it is a decision we had to to get on the chin and get on with our job, and that's what we did. I think uh, the team after that focused, uh, was resilient, uh, did fight until the last second, and uh, despite the disappointing result, we should come even more believe in ourselves today after the game, when I see the game, uh, uh, how things went. Peter Cech was also full of praise for the way the team played for more than 70 minutes, a man light. Over the last 60 minutes, we were a better team. We created showed uh, we we showed a great character and and we created some chances. We just needed a little bit of luck to uh, you know to find the back of the net and, and probably to get something out of the game. We had to uh, sit a little bit uh, deeper and wait for our opportunity to counter attack. And the second half, we you know we were uh, more aggressive. We we tried to search for the for the equalizer. I thought we've done really well. 
first half we had some uh, chances that uh, you know we have a few uh, tight uh, offsides and and a few opportunities where if you know we missed a little bit of the quality in the in the last second to uh, you know to score so uh, you know we knew at the half time that uh, we will have a probably another chance to to equalize and and uh, unfortunately you know we had some half chances and and there were some moments where we were close but we couldn't find the uh, you know the uh, the equalizer the defeat leaves Arsenal three points off top spot now and in third position on goal difference behind Leicester City and Manchester City, with North London rivals Tottenham making up a very congested top four. It's back to the defence of the FA Cup next Saturday and we'll be previewing the game against Burnley with Adrian Clark later in the show. But next up, we're going to talk to Arsenal's BFG. So, as we've already heard, unfortunately, Per Mertesacker was sent off in Sunday's clash against Chelsea and he's captained Arsenal for much of the season in the absence of Mikel Arteta. Well, the BFG sat down with Arsenal media's Carl Finocciaro to talk about his four-plus seasons with the Gunners now and the team's transformation in that time. All right, Per, welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Looking back, sorry, at when you joined the club, how difficult did you find it settling into the style of the Premier League? It was difficult at times. I thought um, uh, when I did mistakes in the first uh, in the first year, I thought, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But I wanted to get over it, and I want to um, get a good feeling. Obviously, you want to do better when you when you do a mi mistake. You want to improve, and uh, you want to see that the manager um, thinks about you and. Uh, sees that you improved already you know so it was hard at times but I always embraced the challenge of of doing mistakes but improve myself and getting better and obviously the first first year was difficult but um, and it for some players it takes some time but um, I always focused on myself and thought yeah I'm gonna make it. Um, what are the transformations you've seen in your four and a half years here mate what's what's been the biggest change even that you've noticed? Um, kept the same quad, uh, squad and um, obviously had some great additions over the um, past two years. So, but the squad in general and the team spirit uh, has grown a lot and I mean we are competing at the top and that's something um, that was not always be that and was not always be the case, you know, when I came. So the team in general is the squad is much stronger and mentally stronger as well. So, But there are a few steps to go and a season is always long and um, consistency to get is, is never going to be easy. So there are challenges ahead of us, um, what makes us stronger, I believe. And uh, But in general, I would say this, the team spirit and the squad is, is huge at the minute. It seems from the outside that it's a group with a lot of leaders, a lot of strong voices, yourself, Mikel, Santi, Petter. Um, do you think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing us grind out results at places like Stoke? There's always a balance, you know, um, between um, obviously having good leaders, but in general everyone needs to lead, you know, from his, his point of view and from his perspective, even talents need to needs to lead and to talk in a way and give the energy to the squad so it's more or less a balance you know you don't want to do too much you know exaggerate at times um, 
you just sometimes get going and uh, I think we have a, a great balance in between the team and, and the good squad we've got. Um, still players coming back from injuries, you know, but we never complained about it. That is the main reason for me, you know. Players just stepped up and brought energy and obviously we had the results as well. So no one looked back and yeah, well, he's injured, he's out injured, you know. Um, this, especially this season, you know, because players are stepping up and bringing energy to the squad. So in general, the squad is is much better in doing, uh, not complaining about situations, you know, you, um, you cannot control. So we try to focus on ourselves and on the, on the fit players and, and what we, what we have done so far is absolutely great. Pear's leadership on and off the pitch has played a huge part in the development of this Arsenal team and their title challenge this season. He's also built a formidable centre-half partnership with Laurent Koscielny, who we'll be talking to in next week's podcast. But now it's time to meet our Guna of the Month. Let's meet our Guna of the Month. It's time for another new feature on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, Guna of the Month, where we'll be meeting up with the brilliant fans that make up the club. And this month, our inaugural Guna of the Month is Liam Edwards, who joins us now. Liam, good morning. Thanks for helping make history with us. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, just trying to get over the result from uh, last uh, last night, but overall, um, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. Good. Well, we'll move onwards and upwards for this segment. It's all about positivity. So I let's agree. start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your Arsenal story. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm Lee Edwards. Um, I became an Arsenal fan probably five, six years ago. Um, many players I looked at when growing up was Thierry Henry, obviously. Uh, one of my big inspirations. Um, and obviously going through like Van Persie to Fabregas and all those kind of big names um, just attracted me more and more to the club. And what um, was it that drew you to the club in the first place, would you say, in terms of their style or history? or? yeah. I think it's the style of play. I really like how Arsenal play. It's attractive football. Um, the passing they do is just crisp, beautiful. And I don't know, when I was a young fan, I just really loved that. Um, and I think that's what kind of attracted me to the club. Of course, my family uh, were kind of um, born and raised in the Woolwich area of South London, where it all started for Arsenal. And now I see it in the north side of London. Um, so that was kind of another reason why I supported the club. So it's through, through the family as well. Um, but with Arsenal as a whole, I think it's got history, it's class, it's got tradition, um, everything about that just sums up why I saw Arsenal. Like it, very good. Um, what would you say has been your best moment as a fan so far? Oh, that's a tough question. There's been many good <laughs> moments over the years. Um, if I'm going to take one from this season, I mean, the FA Cups were just amazing, but I'm going to say the game individually would be the Bayern Munich at home. Yeah. Game, um, the atmosphere that day was absolutely rocking, and uh, when Mazzurzo scored right at the end, it was just an absolutely unbelievable atmosphere in the Emirates. And uh, yeah, obviously we've got Barcelona now in the last sixteen, but I think just as a team we played so well that day. Um, you know, Bayern Munich were obviously we know they're such a strong team, um, but we we outplayed them and we had got that little bit of luck and. Uh, 
yeah, onwards and upwards, hopefully in the Champions League, we can possibly win it this season. You never know. Tough game next, you but you never know, Liam. And, and you get to quite a few games then. How does it work out for you in terms of making it to the ground? Yeah, so um, I'm actually in South East London, but getting over to uh, North London is pretty easy for me. Um, it's only one train into Charing Cross, then just the two, two tubes um, to Highbury and Islington. Um, and I try and go to as many games as I can. Um, you know, it's, I just love going to Arsenal on the weekends and midweek. Um, it's got such a love and a passion for the game. Um, and obviously seeing Arsenal week in, week out, fighting for uh, that Premier League. You know, this season it's looking more realistic that we, we can actually do it. Um, obviously last night's uh, result wasn't the best, but I'm still positive we can, uh, we can still win it. You know, we're still definitely around there or there or thereabouts, you know, around Leicester and Manchester City. So, you know, I'm positive we can lift the trophy um, this season. But, yep, I try and go to as many games as uh, I possibly can. Now, you've highlighted a couple of the players that helped get you into the club and RVP and Omri are, of course, pretty strong candidates there. So who would you say is your favourite player, past and present? Oh, past and present. I'm probably going to have to go for... I, I did mention Thierry Henry, and, but I'm going to go for... And I know he's only been here not so long, but Peter Cech. I think he's bringing such good, positive vibes to the club, and I generally think he's going to be one of the massive reasons if we do win the Premier League, it's going to be a lot down to him. Um, obviously, when Ozil signed and Sanchez, you could see that the club as a whole, was just so much more happy. We felt like we had a genuine chance of winning the league. Um, but when, when Petr Cech came through the door, it, it just went to another level. Um, you know, all the Arsenal fans were just buzzing and got them off Chelsea for around £10 to £12 million, pounds, I think it was. Um, so it was an absolute steal, basically. Um, so I just think he just brings such a good, strong, experienced presence to the club. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'd like to see him maybe captain of Arsenal uh, one day. I definitely think he deserves it. And a top bloke as well to round it all yeah. off. Now, I think that's a really, really good shout. And for someone who's only been here a few months, it's all the more impressive, isn't it? So just tell us, if you can, the best thing about being an Arsenal fan. It could be anything. It could be part of Ooh. your pre-match routine where you go for a pie <laughs> or a drink or it could be who you sit with or anything, really, that just makes it really special for you. Well, believe it or not, I actually um, have my own uh, YouTube channel where I've met so many other Arsenal fans um, along the way. And we've been to Dynamo Zagreb away, uh, Aston Villa away, you know. So I think it just brings people together that you've never met before. And it's like a good community to get involved with. Not just YouTube, but just meeting the new different Arsenal fans. And I just love on a match day, you could be celebrating. You don't even know the guy next year, but you'll be hugging each other, going absolutely mental. Um, so I think I just love how everyone comes together. And it's um, such a global community, as we've learned yeah. during this podcast. We've had, you know, key contributors on from America, the Republic of Ireland and, and beyond as well. Yeah, I mean, it's such a global uh, team, isn't it, Arsenal? You know, it's known all over the world. It's funny, I took my um, friend from Chile, he came all the way from Chile to the Arsenal game uh, v Chelsea. And, you know, that just shows the dedication and love for, for the club. Um, to travel away from Chile. Um, so that's what I just love. I just love it. It's, it's global. Um, there's a community, but it's even like going to the Tollington pub, um, you know, meeting new people. And I think it just brings people together. And uh, that's what I just love generally about football and I love about Arsenal Football Club. 
Well, at least Alexis played for a few minutes, having come all the way from Chile. That would have been a bit of a disappointment for yeah. the boys, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want the chance to be our Gooner of the Month for February, all you've got to do is email this address, arsenalweekly at arsenal.co.uk. That's arsenalweekly at arsenal.co.uk. And you can be the next Liam Edwards. Liam, great to have you on the show to kick off our new segment. We really, really appreciate it. No, absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, I really do recommend anyone who wants to get involved. It's been a great experience. Thank you very much. No worries, mate. That's Liam Edwards, and it's half time now on this week's show. So coming up next, it's time for a history lesson. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him? Oh, it's up for grabs now. Thomas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At the end. On the 29th of January, 1988, Arsenal signed right-back Lee Dixon from Stoke City for a bargain £765,000. Here's Lee talking about that transfer saga that saw him move to Highbury. Well, the signing wasn't as, as straightforward as I, as, I, as I wanted it to be. Um, I actually <clears throat> met George Graham at the Watford Gap uh, service station and salubrious meeting with uh, with George Graham in his and his I think he had a Jag or something. And I remember sitting in his in, in the passenger seat and um, and actually when he made me the offer of what what the club was offering me, it was it was nearly less, just about less than Stoke had offered me to re-sign. I actually turned him down there there and then in the car, which broke my heart, you know, I ended up crying in the car on the way back to Stoke with Mick Mills, he drove me back. Um, cut a long story short, we ended up re-meeting a couple of days later because I said I need to talk to you, so I went down to Highbury. And I think that was the turning point for me, was actually going to the stadium and meeting George again in his office. 
and walked through the marble halls and I just went, whatever happens today, I'm not leaving here until I sign because it was the place, the, the place smelt of football, you know, it was just the place I wanted to be. And we ended up thrashing a deal out and George wasn't as happy because he had to give a bit more money away and I wasn't happy because I didn't get what I thought I, I, you know, I deserved and blah, blah, all that lot. But we, we both deep down were happy because um, you know, I had to sign for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Lee would, of course, become part of that famous Arsenal back four put together by George Graham that would become the backbone of the league championship sides of both 1989 and 1991, as well as the cup-winning teams of both 1993 and 1994. You have to give credit to George for having the vision to go, right, I'm going to build a team on a back four and a goalkeeper. And you've also give a little bit of credit to the players who were involved because it wasn't easy, you know, it, it was it was boring, you know, we used to, every day we used to go in and we'd do some keep ball, warm up, bit of, bit of um, pattern of play or something, might have a little game, do a little bit of this and then George would turn around and we'd go, here we go, and he'd go, right, back four, and we'd like, every day, it was honestly, it was relentless. And But, you know, we could see, you can start to see an improvement, start to see an um, improvement on the training pitch, start to see results picking up in, in as much as clean sheets, etc. And then, you, you know, you start to go, well, he's got a point here. You could put a blindfold on us and say, right, the ball's there, where's the rest of the players? And I could, I could tell you to the centimetre where they'd be standing. And that, that comes with, you know, hard work and um, but it was there was bits of fun in there somewhere <laughs> I think on a Tuesday in 1994 we had a bit of fun um, but that was about it In total, Lee Dixon would go on to make 619 appearances for Arsenal, scoring a very impressive 28 goals over 14 years with the club. He retired after winning the double in 2002 and can now be seen working as a pundit for ITV in the UK and also for NBC's Premier League coverage in America. We'll have another history lesson next week, but now it's time to go from one Arsenal legend to another and hear from Charlie Nicholas next. Champagne Charlie Nicholas scored 54 goals in 184 appearances for Arsenal over five seasons. That was after joining from Celtic back in the year 1983. He spoke with Arsenal media's Nick Bromsack about how he settled into English football. Oh my goodness, it, it probably took me a whole season. Uh, uh, it was tough, uh, especially at the start. And I remember going to my second game away to Wolves, it's going two, and everybody was saying, oh, that's it, you've settled in quick. And I had settled in as the personality I was. I mean, Graham Rex became a, a solid and, and loyal friend, as gradually so did the, the other guys. But it was it was hard work. What I found about being at Arsenal was it was actually quite lonely for me. Being 21, young, single, it was boring uh, to pass my days because lots of the guys were staying 45, 60 minutes drive away and it was hard, just hard to pass time and you know here I am in a fantastic city which I, I love and adore now but at the time it was so strange to me coming from a smaller city in Glasgow and trying to adapt without your friends being there not always the, the friendliest people on the planet so I found the style and the, the actual living situation strange for about 
it was probably the best part of a year. And gradually, we obviously started to change my style. I dropped back just a little bit. And But the, the hard part for, for always with, with Arsenal when, when I got there was that it was so hard for Don Howe. Even when Don Howe took over from Terry Neal, I thought that would be the time for Don to adapt. But he kept having... He brought other coaches in and it stayed the same rigid, as you say, agricultural way of playing because everybody was scared to transform it. And then Josh came in and uh, was was a breath of fresh air in terms of his coaching. It was structured defensively, but there was more purpose to going forward, although it was more kind of back to front with with a percentage pickup rather than a you know affluent passing that we had under Arsenal. But that was the state of the game. It wasn't so much Arsenal's fault or my fault. It was just the way the English game was being perceived by the specialists. I mean, when I look back then, people like me, Glenn Hoddle, Graham Ricks, who were all kind of passing control technical players, uh, we, we found it difficult because teams like Watford and all that were coming through the ranks as being successful and people were copying them and Arsenal was caught in a, a strange position to say who's going to be brave enough to change us and then George eventually did because it was a barren time for a while and then of course Arsenal's moved into a completely different planet altogether so uh, it's just the way it was it's, it's no one's particular fault it's just I could understand how it was so damned hard to change the essence of the club. But yet, I think just before I came, there was a the lad called Petrovic that we had, and I remember seeing him abroad sometimes, and I know the Arsenal fans really liked him. So the, the Arsenal fans themselves were waiting for a change of style, but still keeping the hardcore defensive duties, but of course they wanted a bit more flamboyance in their team. So eventually they were getting there. I mean, now they, now they probably think to themselves, we've got too much flamboyance and too much expression, but I'd, I'd much rather have that than anything else. But it's, uh, as I say, it wasn't particularly anybody's fault. I, I found it hard to change. I also found it hard to change. And, of course, the English game itself was cut. It was caught in a rut then. If you remember, with a lot of hooliganism, people mm. were short on money. The whole social thing was, was pretty negative. And, that, and so was football. The style of football then was negative. And uh, gradually it's, uh, it changed bit by bit. And I was, I was so glad to see from 83 to 80, I think probably 86, was a time that football had to start changing. And it did eventually change uh, for, the, for the right reasons. You can read plenty more of that interview in February's Arsenal magazine, which is available now. Up next, we'll be previewing the FA Cup fourth-round tie against Burnley with our very own Adrian Clark. Adrian Clark is on the Arsenal player every Monday for the breakdown and joins me now. Clarky, how's it going, mate? I'm all right. I'm a bit down in the dumps after that Chelsea defeat, but um, I'm going to try and perk myself up for the podcast. You know, it's always good to see you. Absolutely. And the three-peat in the FA Cup, hopefully, is well, it's certainly still on at the moment. Back to the Cup. Uh, do we expect changes again for uh, the game against Burnley? What do you reckon? I think so, yeah. It, Arsene Wenger has got the balance right, I think, uh, not just in the last round, but in the last couple of seasons in terms of, of resting players, but not going over the top with it. Still having a team that's more than strong enough to see off the opposition. It'll be the same, I think, this weekend. But there are one or two faces that I think we should probably expect to see. 
Alexis, obviously he needs match fitness, so it'd be fabulous to see him in action from the start. And I think this will probably be the debut for Mohamed Elneny as well. So, so I'm really excited to see how he fits in. When you look at the likes of Chambers, Iwobi, these kind of guys, would you expect them to start? I hope so, actually, because Chambers was excellent in the last round in midfield. Um, we might see him at centre-half. It depends what the manager wants to do, obviously, with Per Mertesacker suspended. But Alex Iwobi was terrific. One of the best players on the day against Sunderland. So... If the manager feels that way inclined, then maybe Alex Iwobi will come into his thinking. He certainly didn't let himself down last time. And up front, it'll be interesting whether they go with an out-and-out -out target man or maybe play the likes of a Walcott in the central role. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. Olivier Giroud nursing a slight ankle knock, so I don't know if he'll be risked. Theo, I think, is, is not in top form at the moment. We've seen him look sharper. It might be that Alex Iwobi gets the chance up top, or even yeah, Alexis yeah. too. So, so yeah, but interesting uh, selection dilemmas for the manager. But I think that the 11 that he does choose will be pretty strong. All against a Burnley team, Adrian, who, after a little blip of their own, are back in good form in the Championship. They're near the top of the table, and, uh, yeah, they're going to be an interesting threat, aren't they? Yeah, they've had a decent start to 2016. They're only a couple of teams in the Championship have lost fewer games, so they're obviously quite tricky to beat Burnley and most of the team that did pretty well I thought in the Premier League are still there so it isn't as if you're coming up against a team of, of real rookies these guys won't be faced by Emirates Stadium and they will come with no fear nothing to lose it's another tricky fixture it's one that we should win but Burnley are certainly no mugs. No, I agree. A lot of very solid players mm. who've stayed on from last season. And then a couple of the additions for me that are quite uh, key are Joey Barton in midfield. Yes. And obviously Andre Gray scoring the goals up front. Definitely, yeah. Gray is their top scorer by miles. It's incredible, uh, his record. He's sharp. He's a lively front man. Obviously got a good eye for goal. It's an excellent partnership he's got with Sam Vokes, who... Didn't get much of a look in, really, in he the was Premier injured, League. Wasn't yeah, he was injured, wasn't he, for a lot of the season. Yeah, but he's a good player. He's the big guy. He's the physical presence. And Andre Gray works around him or off him. Will Sean Dyche play the front two? I guess that's maybe the question. Normally, it, they're a bog-standard 4-4-2, hard-working team. Will they do that here? Probably, actually, because it's the FA Cup, nothing to lose. So, so those two will need to be watched. Jerry Barton, good player. Probably is best days are behind him in terms of the Premier League. I don't see him getting back to, to this level, but uh, in the Championship, he's proven to be really influential. I hope he's not listening to this. That might be the extra inspiration <laughs> that the man needs. Um, where would you assess then Burnley's biggest strengths in this game? Their biggest strengths, I think, are off the ball, actually. They're in terms of making life difficult for opposition teams. Uh, they press brilliantly, they close down, they work tirelessly. And the two wide men, I think, a key for them, uh, George Boyd and Scott Arfield, both in good form. So, so that's a problem for us. And the fact that if they do go over front two, that would just give the central defenders something different to think about. So, so yeah, there are one or two things that Arsenal need to be wary of ahead of kickoff. And what about from Arsenal's point of view, Aid? Where could they hurt Burnley? Do you well, think? just by their superior ability, really. I, th I think it's all about confidence and taking your chances. I think against Chelsea, obviously, they were hamstrung by being down to 10 men. But at those key moments inside the box, I think we lost our composure in that game. So in this one, whoever plays, 
it's vital that when those half chances come around that they are a little bit more clinical this time around. Look, talent-wise, we should blow them out of the water, Burnley. So, so if we play to our potential, have the right attitude, then I don't see too many problems. But it's as with all the FA Cup games, you never quite know. And with that attitude <laughs> side of things as well, having had the disappointment, as you just alluded to mm. there, as we've been hearing about from the Chelsea game, mm. it is a fresh, different competition, different impetus to, to get some momentum back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the players will be eager to get involved and to get out there and to, and to get a win on the board and to maintain, or to, to actually not maintain, to, to build some fresh momentum yes. moving forward. It's so important. One thing about this Arsenal side of do know is that whenever they've suffered real disappointments or frustrations they've got a tendency to knuckle down and bounce back and I think they need to go on a long winning run now. Yes, I would agree with that. So, a key battle area in terms of head-to-head -head personnel. Yeah, I, I think it, you have to look at Andre Gray, really. He's the danger man by, by a long way, really, in terms of his goal threat. So, him against Gabriel. Gabriel didn't have the best of games against Chelsea because he was partially to blame for that Diego Costa goal. He was cold, he'd just come off the bench and didn't react brilliantly to that, to that cross. So he will be eager to make up for it, but he will have his hands full with a player that can make things happen. And he's got a low centre of gravity and he will pose one or two issues for him. So that, that head to head is crucial. And in a sentence, finally, how do you beat Burnley? You beat Burnley by matching their work ethic, and by playing your football with freedom or with confidence. If Arsenal make the pitch big, they should win this game. Adrian, top work. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy it. Nice one. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Per Mertesacker, Charlie Nicholas, Adrian Clark, and Liam Edwards for their contributions today. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss another new show. And we're back on Monday, the 1st of February. Until then, it's bye for now, and come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.